This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 143, Avoiding Managerial Mistakes, Missteps, and Misunderstandings, with our guest, Blaine Little. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab. This is your host, Greg Gazin. We have another special guest today. He is hailing from just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, USA. His name is Blaine Little, and he is a business trainer, public speaker, and business coach. He's been training for the better part of two decades. He is the founder and CEO of Momentum Seminars Training and Coaching, where he has taught thousands of business professionals. He is a certified national trainer as well as a distinguished Toastmaster. Blaine's philosophy? I love his philosophy. He's known for keeping training light and fun, and hopefully we're going to have some fun here today because he believes that's how people learn. Blaine is the best-selling author of the book, The Individual Team, How Fairness Wrecked the Workplace. Blaine has also authored his new book, Managerial Mistakes, Missteps, and Misunderstandings, an essential guide to avoiding common pitfalls. Blaine Little, welcome to the program. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Greg. I really appreciate this. I've been I've been looking forward to this. There's lots of M words in the title of your new book. Yeah. That's something that we'll be certainly talking a little bit about coming up. Okay. <laughs> right now, if you think about, you know, what's going on out there, this is a great topic because a lot of the things that we've typically learned have seemed to have been turned on their heads, especially with this new reality. There's a lot of mistakes, missteps, and misunderstandings happening in the workplace. I mean, all we have to do is just check any of our social media accounts or just check the news, and it's it's just happening. Quite often, we hear the term leadership. There's a lot of books coming out on leadership. You hear a lot in the news, and of course, you read on social media about leadership. But you opted in your book to look at the management side of things. So maybe perhaps for the audience, could you maybe share a little bit about maybe the difference between a leader and a manager? Yeah, thank you for asking me that because there really is a distinction and everybody talks about leadership, leadership, leadership. I thought about branding this book that way, but this really came out of a presentation of how to avoid the eight most common mistakes of new managers and supervisors. When you Mm -hmm. think of leadership and management, it really is a distinction in that if you're on a ship and you have a crew, the captain is going to tell the crew where you're going to go. But then it's up to the navigator to figure out how to get there. And if there's need to make little course corrections along the way to make those, make those little adjustments so you get back on the course you're supposed to be on. And so that really is the difference between a leader. So we can look at the C-suite, the CEO, CIO, CMO, and mm-hmm. all that top rung of a corporation They simply say, well, here's what we're going to do. Let the managers at the lower levels figure out the best way of how to carry that out. If they understand a good what and why, then they should be able to figure out how. So you're leaning towards more of the hands-on type of manager. Yes. Management is so much more than just a title. And if you don't have someone on your team, you are not a manager. You could be in a corporation with 100 people, and you might be the HR director, let's say, 
that sounds good. But if you are the only person in HR and you're the director, that's great. But you're not a manager and you may be revered as being a director for a department. That's wonderful. But if you don't manage people, you know, when you set the path, here's here's where we're going to go or how to get there. And there's not people following you. You're not really a manager. So this is how to deal with people in actuality rather than just theory. Right. At the same token, you could also be a leader without being a manager, right? Yes. Yeah, you absolutely can. And in fact, there could be someone even on your team who has good leadership skills. They don't have a position title at all, but yet they're very good about getting people to move in one particular direction. Excellent. Now, there's lots of M words in the title, and (laughs) we have the word mistakes, we have the word missteps, and we have the word misunderstanding. Now, I think we all know what a misunderstanding is, but I think sometimes the mistakes and missteps, quite often people use those terms interchangeably, but you have specific differences between them. Yeah, I do this just to, I make it that alliteration, managerial mistakes, missteps, and misunderstandings to completely throw off all podcast hosts just so they can cannot <laughs> pronounce the title and they won't get it right no matter what. Uh, no, thank God I've never messed it up. But yeah, I'm talking about, obviously this is for management and mistakes are really mistakes in our thinking. It's a false belief that we hold. Missteps are taking action on those false beliefs and they do, they do it does kind of sound like a mistake, but missteps is actually taking action that is not going to move you towards your goal. And the misunderstandings is a completely different perspective. It's what your team perceives. It's what they are thinking is going on. And so if you don't have good communication, you could be doing one thing and they could completely misunderstand what it is that you're talking about. So a mistake, a common mistake for new managers is whatever the management style of the guy or the lady before me who retired or left or got fired or kicked upstairs, that's the management style I am going to adopt. Huge mistake. Because number one, what if that? What if your predecessor was just not a very good manager in the first place? And then two, you, you got to be you. You have to bring out your own personality in order to be successful. And so that's the mistakes end of it. Missteps is, well, it's pretty much I've outlined eight different things here in my book. And one of them is micromanaging. Another one is not being present at all. Uh, Another one is not understanding the individuals of your team. And then misunderstandings, again, it's just, it's just what the team perceives of you and where they think you're trying to go and where you're trying to steer them. And it can many times be completely wrong. Now, my understanding is that your biggest pet peeve is the micromanagement missteps. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Maybe tell us a little bit about that and perhaps share, share a golden nugget with us. Good morsel. Well, I wouldn't want to share a golden nugget that's too close to home, but uh, because my my wife would would correct me, uh, I'm not saying she thinks I'm a control freak or anything, but yeah, she pretty much thinks I'm a control freak. No, uh, (laughs) micromanaging, this is another big misstep of managers, especially those that, I think it was Peter Drucker called the um, 
technology workers. You're in a position for a number of years and you're so good at your job, they decide to make you manager. Okay, fantastic. So you get bumped up and now all those former colleagues of yours are now yours to manage. But instead of allowing them to do their job, especially the poor guy who took over your old position, you have this tendency to go back and and micromanage and make sure they're doing everything quote unquote correct. Now, if there's safety issues or by law, then yes, there's parameters within which things have to be done, of course. But if it just gets to a, a matter of style, let them figure it out. Let them do things the way they want. And I have had about half a dozen people, Greg, look at me with a straight face and they say, well, I'm not really micromanaging. It's just that I used to do that job. And when I did it, I did it a particular way because that was most efficient. And now I just want the people who are in that position now to do it the way I did. Yeah, congratulations. you That is the definition of micromanagement. Telling someone how to do things the way that you would do it. When you micromanage, you're really setting up your people for failure because you're not allowing them to fail. And I always say that if you feel that you have to micromanage, then you will have to micromanage because once you start down that road, you're going to have to come back behind everyone and clean up every little mess that they ever made. Who needs that kind of stress? So let them make their mistakes, learn from their mistakes, find out what's efficient for them. And they're probably going to find out something that's way more efficient than, than what you had before. Most of the time when someone makes a mistake, it's not going to create an explosion and it's not going to be a $10,000 mistake. True. So if somebody is going to make a $50 mistake and no one's going to die or be maimed, you know, no small children are going to be kidnapped, let them make a $50 mistake. They make a $50 or $100 mistake. You go back to them and say, this is your mistake. What are you going to do to fix it? Let them fix the problem. I guarantee you that'll be the last time that they they flub up that part of the work because they're going to learn. That makes a lot of sense. And of course, it's important to let them know it's okay to do that because some might just be hesitant to say, I'm not going to try anything because if I make a mistake, I know I'm going to be in trouble because I was in trouble the last time. Right. And there are perfectionists and it's really hard to knock a perfectionist out of that mindset of being a perfectionist, but you have to just let them know that part of the process of success is failure. And I can see it being so relevant today because again, as I alluded to in the opening, is that the entire industry, the entire workplace has been turned upside down. So Mm -hmm. you may have had, let's say 50 people working in an organization. Some of them might've been working offsite, let's say maybe five or 10 of them. But yet, all of a sudden, you've had these disruptions. Some places were shut down. Some have been partially reopened. You may have people who may not want to return because they're afraid or they might be too busy taking care of their kids or maybe another elder. I can see this whole thing happening where you might have people being dropped into positions where they're not ready. And because of this natural tendency to micromanage, to do it the same as it was done before, you can see that this, this is totally relevant here. Yeah. Well, in in my book, the last chapter, the one right after micromanaging, by the way, I talk about being present. 
the thing that really made my, me scratch my head just before I went to publish this was, well, what if a manager is not physically present? How do you, how do you handle that? There's a term in my book that I use is called propinquity. And propinquity, different from proximity, is the relationship that an individual has with another object or person nearby. And it's the old adage that if the cat's away, the mice will play. You tend to be on your best behavior and work hardest when you're in grade school if the teacher is in the classroom. It just tells you, okay, I've got to focus now. And and Machiavelli kind of writes to this a little bit in The Prince. Paraphrasing here, but essentially at one point in his book, he simply says that no ruler can rule a kingdom from a foreign land. You have to be there. Now, you don't have to be following them around, looking over their shoulders, because that's micromanaging. But you have to be there as sort of like an invisible lifeline or resource if they if they need anything. Otherwise, they're gonna they're gonna feel abandoned. So, what about the workers who are today working remotely? I had to address that because connections are really important. I've got the four C's of working remotely and managing managing your team. It's commitment, clarity, connection, and communication. And the first thing in terms of commitment is if you're going to have people working remotely. Now, people in sales, they've been doing this for centuries. (laughs) Yeah, of course. They only come into the office maybe once a week. So it's nothing new. But you, you have to commit to the process. Just because... I, you know, IT isn't where you think it needs to be in order to do work remotely. You know, everybody raise your hand if you've if you've been there within the past few months. And oh, good, everyone in your audience is raising their hand. So we kind of understand that. But you have to commit to the process. Okay, if you're going to be working remotely, what's the schedule going to be? How do we flesh this out? How do we make it real? Clarity. If you're going to ask your people to do something, take go the extra step. And make sure it's especially clear to them exactly what they're doing and let them know what other people who are perhaps in-house are doing. You can't put eyes across the cubicle like you would normally, but everybody needs to understand what they're working on. A connection is still very important. And by that, I mean just a personal human connection. And we don't get to do that so easily because... If I'm a boss and Jennifer has a question, well, she could just ask me anytime that day uh, as she sees me walking down the hall. Oh, hey, let me ask you something. And we don't necessarily have that opportunity. But if you just give them a phone call or and, and maybe, you know, Tuesdays, Wednesdays at one, we're going to do an update. We're going to do a check in. Set up those times so that you can you can make those calls. And just because someone's working Remotely doesn't mean there's not office politics. Gallup Research did a study before COVID back in 2018 that said that most of the people who work remotely felt that if anything went wrong in the office, the in-house staff would just almost automatically blame the one working remotely. That sounds very human. Yes. So (laughs) blame it on someone or an element that's not there in the room. And then the last C is, is communication. Kind of encompasses the other three. But just make sure that you express a dialogue 
And even if you're outside of the update times, make sure, especially if you have three or four people working remotely, do some open door time, say every uh, Tuesday and Thursday from two to three. I'm by the phone. I'm at my desk. You can give me a call. You know you can reach me at that time. So those are just four C's that really uh, help and I think make the difference in terms of managing a remote team. So we've got the four C's. We've got commitment, we've got clarity, we've got connection, and we've got communication. If I may, Blaine, I would love to add one just because of the situation that we're currently in. I'm thinking that a fifth one. Oh, what would that be, Greg? (laughs) It would be change because people are resistant to change. I love this little quote that you had in your book where you talk about change and you, the quote is, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Yeah. And that just puts the fear in people's minds. (laughs) Tell us a little (laughs) bit about that. Well, I mean, people are not really afraid so much of change itself. They're only afraid of how the change is going to affect them. So if it's a meteorite that uh, is going to crash down on earth but it's going to land in Siberia. Ah, I don't care. But if it's going to land in Nashville, Tennessee, wait a minute, I have a problem with that. People don't like to have their lives upheaved and turn end over end. So I always try to say, you know, we're going to do things a little different or uh, we're going to fine tune something. We're just going to make a minor adjustment. And the fact that you say, you know, we're going to try things just a little different today. Even if that's the policy you want them to adopt for the next year, it sounds temporary. You're just trying to get them to try it. It's like the little kid with the uh, the plate of peas. You know, just try them. They're really good. I promise you. They are. <laughs> just eat two. So people don't like to have their lives up because they feel as though they are defenseless and vulnerable. And they don't want to feel that way. Just fine-tune things a little bit. So if you're only 5 to 10% vulnerable, that's not as bad, I don't guess. <laughs> so it's just in the wording. It's the word little. Because I know people are resistant to change. And I'm thinking I'm thinking about, oh, it's only going to hurt just a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, I, mean, I would much rather go to a, a doctor and get a shot, you know, get a needle in my arm versus having my arm amputated. Which one would you prefer? So amputation is forever. A shot is very temporary. Yeah, just kind of put it in those terms. Uh, We're going to try this today. Speaking of today, in terms of what's going on today, what are some of the other things that you're seeing? Any other mistakes or missteps or misunderstandings that you think or that you're seeing that are just quite prominent today in the workplace? It really is these basic eight. In terms of management, what I found is it's not just new supervisors, but it's, it's veteran managers as well who've been in the business 10, 12, 15 years who still make some of these these same mistakes, missteps, and create misunderstandings. But on leadership terms, there's a wonderful book I read a few years ago by Simon Sinek, and I I think it's called Start With Why. That is something that top brass leadership need to understand is that in today's world, people have to know why. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Fantastic. Why? Now, 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't ask why. You would just do it. Now, it's not because they're going to challenge you on it necessarily. It it means that they, they want to understand the mechanics of what happens when we get to our end destination. 
you want to empower your people that way because you want them to make those course corrections for themselves without having to go to the navigator or to the captain. A major misstep that I have seen a lot of people do, and this could apply to managers as well as top tier leadership, is they'll come, if, if it's someone coming from the outside in, they don't invest the time to get to know their people. They don't understand what the existing corporate culture is. The organization will take on the personality of, of its leader, but not overnight. And you have to understand where you're starting. So I've seen this happen in businesses. I've seen this happen in churches. I've seen this happen in civic organizations where someone new, a leader, will come in, completely turn things upside down, and they didn't get to know the people. And they just run off a lot of the people and they have to hire more. And and it just becomes a, a nightmare, becomes very political very fast. When you're in a situation like now where you're in panic mode, how can you do this when you don't really have the time? Obviously, you can't do everything, but what can they do to say, hey, you know what? This is a situation we're in. Here's where we can start so that we don't end up being in a situation where we've got total missteps all the way through. People working remotely, this is, this is not going to go away when we have a vaccine. There were many, many managers and chief executive officers, presidents, who were very resistant of allowing people to work remotely because they felt as though they couldn't be managed. And obviously, that's not going to work in an assembly line or, or, or in a metal shop, or, but where there's administrative work to be done, this is going to be around. It's not going away. And so what I see is that like office buildings where you may have 100 people, I, I really think that in two to five years, it, that will be pared down to a skeleton crew of maybe a dozen to 20 people and everyone else works remotely. And, and maybe they come in once a week uh, for conference meetings and for some FaceTime, which is really important. But I, I just, I see this continuing. We need to get our heads around it as managers that we're going to, we're going to have to operate in different dimensions to manage our entire team. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. You can't just sit around waiting for a vaccine because there are people out there that have this thought is say, hey, we're going to get this vaccine and yeah, no problem. This will all be done. You know, the, the holiday is over for some people or the panic is over for others and we're just going to head back to work. It's just not going to happen that way. No, it's not. I think a lot of managers fears have been disproven. There's like a dozen different types of software that you can buy to where you're monitoring whether your employees are working or not. And I'm not necessarily recommending that. I'm not for it or against it, but you know what? If you have someone to do some work and at the end of the day, they get the work done. Do you really care if they were at their desk for eight hours versus seven hours and 15 minutes? Do you really care? You got it done. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's just going to be a lot of shifts and change that uh, is going to continue. Now, we did say we were going to talk a little bit about your book, but we've actually been talking about your book all the way through. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting book, and it's funny because when I was looking at the table of contents, and I know before we we started recording, I I asked you this question. I'm looking at chapter headings entitled Ghost in the Machine, King of Pain, Synchronicity, (laughs) 
<laughs> don't stand so close to me. Yeah. Every breath you take. And I'm thinking that sounds like the rock band, the police, right? I'm thinking, where's Roxanne? <laughs> yeah, well, that, Hey, Roxanne is a completely different. That's a novel. That's a completely different book. Not one that, uh, that we can talk about publicly. You must've been a fan though. I wrote one other, a smaller book before and in writing this, and I've had several people tell me that you have to have a good hook for each chapter, because if someone comes into a, a bookstore or if they go online, the thing they want to do is they want to scan the table of contents. So if they're boring, they just assume it's a boring book to read. I was writing, I think, the one that was on micromanagement, and I'm just a product of the 80s. That song, Don't Stand So Close to Me, just kept coming back and back in my mind. You know what? I'm just going to call this Don't Stand So Close to Me. And then I started looking through all the chapters, and I'm like, wait a minute. There's a police song for every single chapter in here. Walking on the Moon. Now, I did rename the fifth chapter instead of da do 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 da 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 I took a line from that. I took a line from that, and its words are hard to find, but that's what song that's from. And I, I referenced the police in there just once or twice. In fact, if you want to go on Spotify and hear the music, you can go to Spotify and look up Momentum Police. Uh, Momentum is my company, Police, and I've got a playlist on there with those songs, and I may add a few more. But I don't know. I'm just a little goofy that way. It works for me. Nice. <laughs> No, you had me at mistakes, messed up. Nah. As you See? said, you want to mess See? up a podcast host, like managerial <laughs> mistakes, missteps, and misunderstandings. There, I got it. <laughs> I had to practice that 27 times. <laughs> well, you'll never forget it once you get it down. So, hey, if, if that's a $50 mistake for you and you learn from it, you never do it again. Nah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, just a, a little idea. I put together some things that I noticed that managers will make, especially when they're new. And I would just have people come up to me after the presentation. It's like, you know what? My boss has number three, number five, and number eight. They start numbering them off to me in terms of improvements that could be made in management. So I just felt like I had to, I had to write about it. I had to get this out. Well, it's actually quite good because if you can identify the problem, that's half of the solution already. So if you know you've got a three and a five and an eight, you're on the right track already. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, Greg, I've been writing this book for two and a half years. It took a pandemic for me to finish it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because the chapter titles are all relevant today, right? People are going through pain yeah. and don't stand so close to me and every yeah. breath you take, you just can't get more relevant than that. There you go. Well, Blaine, this has been fantastic. Perhaps you can tell people where they can get a hold of you, where they can find your book. And I understand that you have a little offer for the listeners. I do. And I, I've given you a link that if people want to get check out the first chapter of my book, it's actually the foreword, which goes in a little bit more into detail in terms of what a mistake, a misstep, and a misunderstanding is, and the first chapter, maybe like 25, 30 pages. Um, you can go ahead and just download that for free. And then if you decide that you want to get the entire book, you can. It's totally up to you. It's available on Kindle and in paperback on Amazon. You can also find out more about me by going to my website, MomentumSeminars.com. We'll put all of that in the show notes so people can just click on the link. Well, Blaine Little, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's been a lot of fun and uh, don't stand so close to me, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> We're a couple thousand miles apart, so that's not going to be a problem. But I do appreciate you taking the time and all the best in the future with your with your book. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. I really appreciate it. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.